Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie in Smith podcast. Week 12 of Sunbelt football officially begins tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern when ESPN's College Game Day makes its third appearance in Harrisonburg, Virginia, ahead of the matchup between number 18 James Madison and App State. Plus, there'll be a number of important intra-Sunbelt matchups to keep an eye on this weekend. We can't wait to talk about it shortly. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about yesterday's special, unique episode. We welcomed former star quarterbacks Todd Centeno and Chase Bryce onto the show for a roundtable discussion about Saturday's clash of titans between the Dukes and the Mountaineers. Trust us, it's worth the listen. Today on episode 150 of the show, it's time for our Week 12 preview. We're excited to preview our game of the week between South Alabama and Marshall. We'll break down the chances of Louisiana and Arkansas State locking up bowl bids. We'll also discuss Georgia Southern and can they get back on track against Old Dominion. Caden, so much to talk about. College game days back at the Sunbelt School. We've got four teams vying for bowl eligibility on Saturday. Normally, I'd ask what has you excited about Saturday, but I think the better question is this week, what isn't exciting on Saturday? That was definitely a good question, though. We just have a great slate of a combination of teams playing. Some out-of-conference opponents have a chance to maybe make some noise and get some upsets, and a lot of teams playing for a ton as far as making a bowl game and really fighting for their season to end on a more positive note. So there's definitely a lot more to be excited about than not to be excited about, and that's why I don't even want to hesitate, Noah. Let's just get into this episode and talk about these amazing matchups we've got. Yeah, well, we will be previewing all the top matchups in Week 12 of Sunbelt Football on this episode. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's preview. All right, everyone, like we promised, we're previewing each of the weekend's top matchups in the Sunbelt. Caden, we start with our game of the week between South Alabama and Marshall. This game at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. The winner becomes the seventh, maybe you could say eighth, if you're counting James Madison, bowl-eligible team in the Sunbelt. South Alabama looks to get to their second straight bowl game. Meanwhile, Marshall's trying to keep a six-year bowl streak intact and make it seven. This one represents the first meeting ever between these two programs. Caden, both teams right now, you're sitting at five and five. There were higher expectations for these programs. I think we both thought that they were going to be better than they have been. You've got one team that's going to walk away with a bowl berth on Saturday. Which team would that mean more to? I think on paper, you just have to say Marshall, Noah. And it's not just us that had high expectations for both of these teams. These are two teams that were both rated relatively high when you look at the preseason polls, voted on by the coaches and the media. But I think you have to say Marshall just because of the remainder of their schedule. If you look at each team's schedule and winability, I mean, they finish the season at home against Arkansas State versus South Alabama after this game, takes a visit to San Marcos to play Texas State on the road. And those are just facts. When you look at the resumes of both of those teams, they have to play the winability and how those teams matchup ideally it'd be great i know we're both rooting for a scenario where south alabama wins this matchup arkansas state doesn't win their matchup and then arkansas state and marshall can duke it out for a bowl spot in that final season um finale just to up the stakes and up the up the value of that last week of football but i think south alabama at large i think needs this more just given their roster and their expectations this year this was really supposed to be their year where they were supposed to take off and bounce take another big step ahead from their 10-win season the year before. And this program just overall is at a different place right now. I think when you look at it, all of their chips were invested in this season. And a lot of those chips and all those important pieces and players that are on this team right now that gave us so much confidence about their success this year are seniors that are going to be gone next year. I mean, it starts with a, a guy like Carter Bradley. When you lose your quarterback, in the offseason, it completely changes your culture. But there's so many other seniors on this team, like a Keith Gallman, like a Jeremy Sher- Jamie Sheriff, 
Jalen Jordan, Desmond Trotter as well, the backup quarterback, LaDamian Webb, James Miller. There's Devin Voice, and there's so many guys on the South Alabama team who it's going to be their last season, even Diego Lajarda. I think if you look at all of the key positions, there's a lot of seniors on the South Alabama team that will be calling this their last season. So I think them being able to secure bowl eligibility in this game is going to be a little bit more on their senior night against this Marshall team versus a Marshall team who will lose some important pieces, some of their biggest pieces when you talk about an Owen Porter or Micah Abraham. But this team still across the board is really young, and I think going into next season, they'll have more momentum, I think, generated despite both of these teams not having as much of success as they wanted to this year compared to a South Alabama team who is going to have to reset next season, just given how many seniors are losing, regardless of how the season ends for them, really. Okay, and I think to your point about who we'd like to win in this matchup, I'm just rooting for chaos at this point. Let's get as many bowl-eligible teams in the Sun Belt as possible. I like the point, though, that you're making because at the end of the day, for South Alabama, this is a program trying to establish themselves. Marshall has established themselves. I feel like a second straight bowl game would be huge for the Jags. Ken, let's talk Cole Pennington because he led this team, Marshall, to their first win since the month of September last week. He was good, not great, 75% completion, 201 yards, did throw the interception. Is he the answer to this team's problems at quarterback, not only just this season, but beyond? Yeah, it's definitely a great question, Noah. And obviously that Pennington name holds some weight in Marshall as far as the excitement that does surround that in the future, which I know that's something that doesn't really matter for coaches making decisions as far as who's going to play or not play. But it is exciting, I think, for this fan base in the future if that Pennington name stays in the in the fold and, and, and can perform at a high level, similar to how his father did back in the day. But I, I mentioned in the recap, on one hand, Cole had more help than Cam Fancher has had in this entire losing streak that we saw from this team. I mean, it was the best game we've seen from Machine Ali all season by far. We got a special teams touchdown as well with a kickoff return. The defense still didn't really hold up their end of the bargain, but they were able to outscore them with so many big plays in the run game. But I think on the other hand, Cole Pennington also did a great job of doing some of the things that Cam Fancher hadn't been able to do in the last couple of weeks, and that's be efficient and take care of the ball. Fancher had five interceptions his last two games. Cole Pennington did not turn the ball over outside of his first interception. He threw on his first throw of the game but after that he settled in he was really efficient with the rock he did not have that many incompletions went 15 for 20 and he really wasn't asked to do much in this game but he was able to play within the style and the scheme of the offense have the weapons around him play very well and as a result they got their first win in a very long time so I think for right now for the rest of the season Cole Pennington is definitely the answer as far as this team just needing a quarterback that's not going to turn the ball over for them not play efficient and really just be a game manager for them manager for them and hopefully the running backs the receivers even the defense will play their part as well but I think in the offseason when we're looking at this team and they're going to have to kind of figure some things out. I wouldn't be surprised if they had to take a full reset offensively, look at their scheme, look at their identity, maybe even who calls the plays for them and figure out what they're going to do moving forward. Because I do think Cam Fancher does have some skills that do cater to this offense being successful in the future, but I think it's just going to come down to which quarterback style is going to best match the identity that they want to establish next year as their offense is probably going to look a little bit different than it does this year. Okay, and our listeners, they are familiar with South Alabama's biggest issues this year. And that issue, it's been simple, consistency. Which players or maybe some position groups do they need to count on to find that consistency against Marshall on Saturday, in your opinion? I think for me, the no-brainer is the offensive line being the position where they need the most consistency. I think when you look at Carter Bradley this season, what he's been able to do, he's really been the consistent force for this offense. You see what he's been able to do with Cullen Lacey as well, being just a consistent 100-yard per game kind of target for them. And even LaDamian Webb with his ability scoring the football offensively. But I think this offensive line has the ability to really elevate those strengths and consistencies for this team and hold them back at times. We saw in their losses that those were games where Carter Bradley was under duress a lot more. He was getting hit a lot more. 
And then in their wins, he was a lot more protected and able to operate at a more efficient and higher clip. So I think for me on the offensive side of the side of the ball is going to come down to just their consistency, the offensive line. And can they elevate their star players who have been a little bit more consistency consistent for them, not only this season, but historically and really make them play their best amount of football. And then on the defensive side of the ball, it's just about overall consistency against a, be- a better opponent. Their stats look great this year, but it's no secret that their stats have been better against worse opponents. This is a Marshall team that's kind of somewhere in between now on a losing streak, but trending in the right direction. So the defense as a whole, I think, is going to have to be consistent against a more formidable opponent in order for them to get a win in this one. Okay, let's make some picks. South Alabama, 10.5-point favorite in this game, over-under, sitting at 50.5. How you leaning? I'm going to go with South Alabama to win this one, but I do think Marshall covers, just given the nature of a new quarterback, injecting some new life into them, and Rasheen Ali coming off of his best game. I do think they're going to be able to run the wall effectively in this game, pound the rock a little bit, and keep this one close, but I ultimately do think that South Alabama going to have a lot of emotions running through their sideline and running through their stadium on their senior night with so many seniors. I'm sure their Sona ceremony will probably take a lot longer than a lot of other teams in the conference as far as recognizing those seniors before the game. So give me South Alabama to win, but I do think Marshall will cover. And I'll take the over on the points. I think both of these offenses kind of trending in opposite directions. We saw 21-point performance from South Alabama last week, and I think on their senior night especially, they'll try to improve on that. And the same thing with Marshall coming off of a strong performance, looking to continue performing and trending in the right direction as an offense. So give me the over on the points. Okay, and I wish there was a copy-paste button on a podcast because I I feel a lot of the same ways about this matchup. I think South Alabama's going to win. I do think they have the better offense in this one. You look at Marshall's defense. They've been susceptible to big plays, and that's something that South Alabama does extremely well. I think Marshall could have some issues with Colin Lacey. I do think Rasheen Ali will have another good performance in this one and kind of finish his season strong. So I do think Marshall covers. I think 10.5 seems a little bit strong considering the inconsistency for South Alabama this year. And much like you, I think that the over on the points, given where both teams are at currently, is certainly in play. Well, let's move on to the second matchup, Caden Troy versus Louisiana, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central on ESPN, or rather NFL Network. Troy will play for the Sunbelt Championship in December. Meanwhile, Louisiana trying to become bowl eligible for the sixth year in a row. Troy holds a 9-7 advantage in the all-time series, but they're 4-3 in in games played at Veterans Memorial. You think back to last year, Troy actually... One on a walk-off touchdown, a 22-yard run by Kamani Vidal with five seconds to go in that matchup in Lafayette a year ago. Caden, Troy's looked nearly unstoppable for quite some time. They're 20-4 and four under John Summerall. Last year, the defense wasn't or was unstoppable. This year, they've been unstoppable on both sides of the football. If you're Louisiana, what do you need to do in order to achieve some member or measure rather of success versus the Trojans? Well, I'm sure prayer won't help hurt them at all. I think they're going to have to pray a little bit that, that Troy can hopefully kind of stoop down to their level as far as the expectations and what we've been seeing from Troy this season just on a week-to-week basis. just been the model of consistency in the conference with John Summerall taking care of business and making his squad one of the most prepared I've ever seen on a weekly basis in the conference. But I think simply put, Louisiana has to be better in the run game and really has to have a peak performance when you look at their run game. I think when you look at the last two weeks for them, they've been outrushed in back-to-back weeks, and in both of those weeks, they have a loss. This is a team that ranks second in the conference in rush yards per game, and when you take that aspect out of their offense, it definitely handcuffs them, and they've been even more handcuffed with Zion Chris being taken out of the run game as well and how effective he's able to be with his legs. So they're going to need to be able to run the ball first and foremost, hopefully 
maybe be able to possibly outrush Troy in this game. That would definitely help him out a ton. And they're also going to have to have Chandler Fields kind of settle in. I think he did a great job of settling it eventually in the game against Southern Miss. Hopefully last week kind of gets them a little bit more prepared for them having a different quarterback under center, their style of play and what it's going to take for them to win. So I look for him to be a little bit more comfortable in this game than he was against Southern Miss. But unfortunately, he's facing a completely different animal when it comes to this defense he's playing in Troy. They're coming off of a nine-sack game. They're going to have to do a great job of protecting him. So just like the South Alabama offense I was talking about, their offensive line is going to have to step up for them. And the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they're going to have to do a be- the best job they can as far as stopping the run and the pass because we know that Troy can do both. And whichever one you are weaker, weaker at, they're probably going to attack that. So their defense has to be ready for everything. And their offense just has to have great play up front try to keep this game as close as possible and hopefully be able to run the ball better than they have been the last two games. Yeah, Kane, I think it's a great point you're making. You run the football, you keep possession a little bit longer, maybe you keep the score line down. Louisiana then has a chance to win, but we've certainly seen how Troy's record has played out over the last two seasons in close, tight games in the fourth quarter. They've nearly been unblemished. Kane, Troy clinched the Sunbelt West title last weekend. They locked up their spot in the Sunbelt Championship game in the process. Would you expect that to alter their approach now in these final two games of the regular season? I think it surely would for a team that's maybe not used to the success that Troy has now attained in a second straight season. But with this veteran group they have with John Summerall leading them, I just don't see any of the outside noise or distractions that could come with clinching a title kind of impacting them and really impacting their approach just because you see them so consistent on a weekly basis, almost a militant approach with how they approach game day. And I just don't see them wanting to mess with that at all going into this final stretch of the season as they're trying to kind of catch their stride and play their best football going into the conference championship game, given whatever opponent they have to face. So I think when you look at Troy in this one and what they're going to be capable of doing, they're going to be able to have their way. So maybe it starts to affect them if they get up early. Maybe they take some of their starters out later in the game. If they see that, oh, okay, we have a conference championship kind of around the corner. I think that pair with this being a senior night too, maybe they try to get as many of their seniors on the field as they can have a lot of have a big team effort as far as an impact in this game so I think for Troy I think for other teams maybe in this scenario clinching could end up being a distraction could affect the coaches and how they play the game how they choose to utilize their players but with this Troy team I just expect them to continue doing what they do all season and try to probably in their own eyes, keep getting better and better and better and kind of run through the finish line as they go to the conference championship game versus kind of pumping the brakes and kind of trying to take care of themselves a little bit more. Well, and Kane, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, there's even a potential that they're playing James Madison in a Sunbelt championship game. Maybe you get a win there. Maybe you win a game in a bowl game. You're finishing the year ranked uh, once again. So Troy's still a lot to play for. Certainly a lot, though, up in the air with their opponent in that championship game. Kane Troy, 16 and a half point favorite over under sitting at 47. I'm going to go first here. I like the Trojans in this one. 16 and a half does seem like a lot, but I don't have a lot of faith in this Louisiana offense right now without Zeon Chris. They have not shown the ability that they can run the football without him over the last couple of weeks. I think Troy's defense is better in this game. They're going to make things very difficult on Chandler Fields in the passing game. So give me Troy to win. They're covering in this game. Over under at 47 and a half just because of the nature of this game. I feel like I'm going to take the under. Yeah, no, I agree with a lot of what you said. And I hate to pull the senior card out again. But if I had to choose a game to play Troy, the senior night at home in their stadium is definitely one of the last games I'm picking. So I'm thinking Troy is going to win this one. Just given their talent and everything they have, pair with the emotions that will probably come with this game as well. Hard to pick against the Trojans. Trojans, And I do think they have the ability to cover in this one as well. I'm going to take the over on the points. 
I think late in the game, maybe we see some other players, some inexperienced players get in for Troy. And maybe we see Louisiana score a little bit late. But I definitely get what you're saying. This could be a game where it's a lot of Troy points and not a lot of Louisiana points. So, it could, so the under could hit. But I'm going to I'm going to roll the dice a little bit and take the over on this one. But Troy definitely wins and definitely covers in my eyes. Arkansas State, Texas State, Caden, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. A-State trying to make their first bowl game since 2019. They had gone to nine straight, actually, from 2012 to 2019. Texas State, they will play in a bowl game for the first time in program history. The Red Wolves hold a 6-4 advantage in the all-time series, but they've actually lost the last three to Texas State. Arkansas State, 4-1 and all-time at home at Centennial Bank Stadium. Kane, this matchup, it features two quarterbacks that are looking to bounce back after disappointing performances. You think back to last week for TJ Finley, 6 of 11, season low, 49 passing yards. His second game without a touchdown this year, he actually exited the game in the third quarter for Malik Hornsby. You've got Jalen Rayner on the other side, his second fewest total yards in a game since becoming the starter, just one touchdown, also had an interception. Kane, what do these quarterbacks need to do to get back on track in this one? Yeah, definitely uncharacteristic performances from them coming off of last week, especially TJ Finley, a guy who you mentioned, 6 for 11, 49 yards in the game after getting pulled in that second half. Just very uncharacteristic from him, especially coming off of a week where the week prior, he throws for 300 yards, completes 80% of his passes, and has three touchdowns in the air and two on the ground against Georgia Southern, coming off probably his best conference performance and maybe even overall performance of the season so for tj tj just has to get back to being tj coach kenny said he still has confidence in him being the starting move forward and i think the performance we saw against georgia southern we've seen a lot more similar performances like that versus what we saw against coastal carolina the week before you mentioned him having zero touchdowns for just the second time this season but he's had three touchdowns three times he's thrown in the 80s 70 percent multiple times this season. So I think he just has to get back to being him. I think that that Coastal Carolina defense have to give credit for them for having a great game plan and being able to make him uncomfortable, like the pass game, kind of a, a difficult thing for this team really for the first time all season. So TJ just has to revert back to himself. But I think when you look at Jalen Rayner, on the other hand, he has to take care of the football and he has to score. His defense is no prize. He's had to win in shootouts before. We saw that when he played Southern Miss in kind of his breakout debut performance. We saw that against ULM. Louisiana, all of those games, his offense is scoring over 30 points in each of those matchups. But I think when you look at their losses, it's a completely different story for this team. They're a little bit closer games. Their defense has been able to hold up their end of the bargain, but they haven't been able to necessarily kind of take their team over the top offensively and be able to score enough points. When your defense is able to capitalize and look uncharacteristically good, if you're this offense, you have to take advantage of that and you have to score. If you're going to win in shootouts, then you have to take advantage of when your defense holds teams to limited amounts of, of points and as an offense, be able to capitalize on that. So I think taking care of a football like that in the process you see against Louisiana or against South Alabama, rather in previous weeks, last week was it one touchdown, one interception you saw in the loss against coastal Carolina, two touchdowns, two interceptions, got to be able to put up points and have to be able to not counteract those with turnovers. So I think they kind of have two different missions, but I think they're both very much attainable for these quarterbacks as far as what we've seen in the past and what we saw in their most recent performances. Caden, Arkansas State's defense is actually impressed lately. They held South Alabama to 21 points a week ago, but the Bobcats have been a letdown defensively, in my opinion, over these recent weeks. What do these defenses need to do in order to be successful on Saturday? Yeah, Arkansas State's going to have to take a page out of Coastal's book, and that's completely take the pass game out of this game, and that's something that's a lot easier said than done, and it's a lot 
of, of, of personnel as far as what goes into that. I think a lot of teams wish or think they could probably go into a game and shut down and slow down Texas State's passing attack, but are in for a rude awakening. But I even think the way this Texas State team has been able to lean on the run game lately, just taking away one of those elements is going to be huge for this Arkansas State team. We saw them have a great performance against what was at the time the best rushing offense in the league when they played Louisiana, and that resulted in a win for them. So maybe even them taking away the run game for Texas State could help them, but they just have to make them one-dimensional and hopefully make them play a different style of play with one of their hands tied behind their back. And I think for Texas State, I think the key is just going to have to be stop Jalen Rayner and stop those explosive plays. We've talked in the past about kind of sustaining long drives, not really being the jam for this offense and not being re- really being able to rely on the run game on a consistent basis. When it's there for this offense, it's great. So I think when it comes to Texas State, getting off the field on third down is going to be a key and stopping Rainer for having those big explosive plays. He's done a great job of finding his targets down out, out wide for deep passes for touchdowns. And he's also done a great job of just not being able to be contained in the backfield, make some play, players miss, make some things happen, make some magic happens with, with his legs, which results in them moving the chain. So I think for Arkansas State, they have one player you can kind of lean on and focus on when it comes to stopping their offensive attack and Jalen Rayner. But when it comes to the opposite side with Texas State, you have a lot more weapons to deal with. So hopefully trying just to shut down the run game or the pass game will probably be more effective. And I think the potential ace in the hole in this game, it sounds like G.J. Kinney expects to have Joey Hobart back in this game. I think that would be a huge boost for T.J. Finley. Texas State, three-and-a-half point favorite on the road over under at 59-and-a-half. Caden, how's the lean for you? I'm going to take Texas State winning in this one and covering. I just think given the nature of this team and the talent they have on a weekly basis, you can always make an argument for picking them to win. But I think specifically in this matchup, when you look at the talent that they have on the offensive side of the ball specifically, I think it's going to give this Arkansas State defense and problems. And I do think this offense is going to try to make a statement and show that, hey, last week isn't really us. What's really us is what you saw against Georgia Southern. And you'll see that again against this Arkansas State team. So I think they're going to have an extra emphasis on scoring a lot of points in this one. So I'm going to take the over on the points as well. Texas State winning and Texas State covering. Yeah, Caden, at the end of the day, I think my heart is with Arkansas State. I'd love to see them get bowl eligible. I think that would be a big step forward for Butch Jones, but I don't think it's happening. I've changed my mind over what I told you initially uh, Texas state's going to win this football game. I think TJ Finley and Joey Hobart are going to have a a big return uh, to play in this game. I do think we have an old fashioned Texas shootout in the state of Arkansas. I think both teams put up points, but Texas state pulls away late in this one. I've got them covering the spread and I do think we could hit the over on the 59 and a half. Kane, we'll move on to Georgia Southern old dominion, 6 PM Eastern 5 PM central on ESPN plus. Georgia Southern still technically in contention for the Sunbelt title game. They're going to need a little bit of help. Old Dominion is seeking their first bowl appearance since 2021, that Myrtle Beach Bowl. Georgia Southern 3-0 all-time. They earned a five-point win in Norfolk last year. Kane, let's talk Georgia Southern. They enter on their first two-game losing streak of the season. You lose to Texas State last week. You lost, or Marshall last week, Texas State the week before. They're going to be back in Paulson where they're 5-0 this year. That alone, though, in my opinion, isn't enough to fix their problems. Diagnose for me what's gone wrong and how they can fix that on Saturday. I do think them being in Paulson is a good little short-term remedy, some medicine for this team as they're coming off of two straight losses. But I think when you look at their problems right now and lately, just teams have been taking it to them on the defensive side of the ball just to start off things. I think when you look at both of those losses, we're highlighted by the other team being able to run the ball and really run the ball in two different ways. We mentioned it after the Texas State game. Texas State was able to run the ball at will against this team, really just get tons of chunk yardage, keep the chains moving and dominate the time of possession to keep the ball away from Georgia Southern's offense. And then when you look at Marshall, they were just 
having a bunch of home run hitting plays with Rasheen Ali, breaking tackles, getting to the second level and getting touchdowns and kind of scoring in a hurry in the in the rushing attack. So whether it's been in a hurry or methodically, the run game has been hurting this team. And as a result, I think it's trickled to the offense who hasn't really been answering the call that we're accustomed to seeing. I think when you look at their past performances, even last season, when you look at some of their shootouts, you could always kind of just expect and anticipate that this offense, even if they were down, were going to do their best and be efficient as far as being able to move the chains and score points. But it seems like in the last two weeks, this offense just has not been timely. The turnovers have been more timely than anything for them. And I think we just need to see them get back to their ways where they're not losing the big play battle like we've seen in the recent couple of games. That's just what we're not accustomed to. So I think them being at home is definitely going to help for them. But I do think their defense is going to have to just pull a little bit more of their weight, get back to the defense we saw earlier in the season, and offensively get back to their scheme, which is predicated on being able to convert third downs, keep the chains constantly moving. And despite having the ability to get your playmakers the ball and put up a ton of yardage, you're going to have to put up the points to follow that up, especially if your defense isn't holding up their end of the bargain. Kane, I think this is a big game for Georgia Southern because you want to build some momentum heading into rivalry week against App State. App State perhaps maybe coming off of a win against James Madison. We'll see what happens on Saturday, but that one certainly could be fun in two weeks. Meanwhile, Old Dominion, they are running out of opportunities right now. They're four and six. They are an improved football team, Kane, and we've stated that on this podcast, but they're going to need to win both of their last games to get to bowl eligibility. They've got Georgia Southern this week. They've got Georgia State next week, two teams that are struggling a little bit. Uh, They have to win those to get to bowl eligibility. Kane, what are the keys for Old Dominion to run the table here at the end of the year? Yeah, I think they have to just keep being themselves and finish games. If you look at this two-game losing streak for Georgia Southern, it's a little bit more worrisome than when you look at Old Dominion's three-game losing streak, I think. They obviously lost to Liberty last week, which is a very formidable opponent, a great team in that sense. But when you look at their other two losses, they stood toe-to-toe with Coastal Carolina and toe-to-toe with JMU and really played a complete game, just weren't able to finish it at the end when it mattered most. So I think this team and this culture right now is really confident in their scheme they're confident in their personnel they're confident in what they have going on i just think they have to continue to lean into that which i think is more of a strength right now when you look at this georgia southern team is kind of try, scrambling right now trying to figure out what they need to do to get back on the horse this team knows how they've lost their games they've lost them the same way that they've won them so i think they just need to stick to their bread and butter do what they do grant wilson can't turn the ball over they're gonna have to rely on that run game with Kadarius callaway and the guys rushing the ball extremely well for them and extremely effective for them this season. And their defensive attack, led by Jason Henderson, just has to continue to play downhill, stop the run, and look to make plays and be opportunistic in the second year. I still really like this Old Dominion team. I don't think they're as bad in as bad of a spot as their record says, and even in their recent history. And I think their chances of them kind of being able to run the table and get some momentum going into a bowl is kind of on the up and up the more I think about what they have going on in their matchup. So I'm excited for this team specifically in this game. I'm sure they're going to feel a little bit more relieved finally playing a team that has more of a losing recent history than a winning recent history. So let's see what Old Dominion does in this game, and hopefully they can continue to lean into their strikes and play some competitive ball. Georgia Southern, seven-point favorite over under at 16.5K. And I'll go first here. Old Dominion fans are not going to like it. Georgia Southern is going to end Old Dominion's bowl hopes in this game. I think Georgia Southern playing at home at Paulson. They've been really tough to beat this year. I've got them moving to 6-0 and and remaining perfect. I think Georgia Southern due for a bounce back. This is a game that I think they're going to win by more than 7, maybe 10 points in this game. I do expect both teams to put up points because Georgia Southern's defense has struggled a bit lately. I think we could see a shootout, so go ahead and give me the over. So Georgia Southern to win this game and cover. I'm going to take the over on the points. 
I'm going to flip the script a little bit here, Noah. I do not like betting against Georgia Southern at home. We know how great they've been there. But I think just looking at where both of these teams are trending right now, I'm going to go with Old Dominion. You mentioned it. Their last three losses are against Liberty, Coastal Carolina, and James Madison. Those teams have not lost in a very long time. And all those games, Old Dominion has been competitive other than the Liberty game most recently versus this Georgia Southern team who has lost kind of head-to-head straight up against Marshall and Texas State in games where they kind of had their style taken from them and their will imposed upon them. So I think this Old Dominion team, given their scheme, their consistency, and just kind of the intangibles I've seen from this season, I trust them a little bit more just to be able to rely on what they've got going on. And I'm just excited for them. And I think they're playing for a little bit more, trying to fight for this bowl game. So give me Old Dominion winning in this one, which means they cover. And I'll take the under on the points. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a slugfest. This game was close in the past and got very, very close to this line. I think that has a lot to do with this year's line. But I do think their defense shows up for this one and their offense can do just enough to outscore this Georgia Southern offense. Caden, let's uh, jump to our final matchup here. Coastal Carolina at Army, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on CBS Sports Network. Coastal Carolina coming in with a five-game win streak, the second longest in the conference, trailing only James Madison, who's 10-0. Coastal controls their own destiny right now when it comes to the Sunbelt title game, unless something happens with James Madison's eligibility. This is the second all-time meeting between these two programs. Coastal Carolina, if you remember back to last year, won by 10 in Conway. Army 1-5 versus Sunbelt schools in the last two years, 0-2 this year with losses to Troy and ULM. Coastal Carolina, Kane, they're in a great spot right now. They control their own destiny at the moment. Uh, They get a very beatable non-conference opponent in late November in Army. What do you imagine the vibes and kind of the mindset are in Conway right now? The vibes have to be immaculate in Kanye Conway right now. I mean, the fact that they are now in control of their own destiny when it comes to the conference championship game, they did everything they could to get on this winning streak to bounce back from losing their first two games of the conference season this year and kind of a, a spot where everyone was doubting them. And we definitely thought it was going to be hard for them to climb out of this hole. We thought that was going to be even more difficult for them with them losing their quarterback, but they've, they've survived, they've adapted. And now that they're playing in a low stakes game against a non-conference opponent, you have to feel great. It's not necessarily a time to be resting or, or, or doing anything like that. But I think just mentally for this team, knowing that they don't have to play in a ring game, a very high stakes conference battle compared to some of their other games they've had this season. They've been on this amazing stretch and it has to feel like somewhat of a relief to kind of know deep, deep, deep in the back of your head as a competitor that you could lose this game and still have all of your best football in front of you and be able to achieve all the goals you want to. So I think the vibes in Coastal Carolina are great right now. Tim Beck has really been doing a great coaching job with this team and this squad as far as their ability to adapt offensively and be effective no matter who's under center for them. And you have to give credit to the defensive side of the ball too as well for just being the, 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 source, the source of weakness for this team last season and turning it into a strength and particularly doing a service to your offense with new quarterbacks, kind of having to to take a little bit off of their plate as far as how much they have to score. So I imagine the vibes are great in Coastal. I imagine things are feeling great. And they're probably just only wondering, man, if we maybe didn't lose those, drop those first couple games in conference competition with the season could look like, but they still have to be very proud of themselves and feel very impressed with what they have going into this non-conference battle. Caden, I don't want to hurt your little App State heart, but it would be a lot of fun if Coastal Carolina wins this game, James Madison wins on Saturday. I'm already salivating over a rematch of that blowout from last year, maybe a different result. Maybe Grayson McCall even makes his return in that game. Caden, when you look at this matchup, two things will need to happen for Coastal to win. Uh, They need to run the ball effectively. They're averaging 170 yards per game this year, but almost 200 yards per game in their last five. And then they're going to have to stop Army's run game, a team that's averaging 187 yards per game in their last five. 
Yeah, I think there's going to be a great matchup on the ground. And I'm very curious to see with now we've seen Coastal Carolina kind of have to adapt and kind of take that Troy quality as far as playing different styles of ball to lean into and complement their quarterbacks. Very curious to see if they do what we saw Troy do and kind of fight fire with fire, fight strength with strength and look to run the ball effectively against Army and beat them in their own game. Both of these quarterbacks are going to be a huge key in this game as far as being able to run the bot rock. We know that Army has a daily back there as their quarterback and historically and traditionally, we know the Army quarterbacks are going to be very effective with their legs, be a big part. He's their leading rusher, so they're going to have to do a great job of stopping him and their backs. And I think this defense, just from what we've seen lately, is definitely going to be able to answer that call. I think we saw them last season struggle in week one against this Army team. Now this year, they have a different level of confidence. They have a lot of their same personnel, and I think they have a different edge about them that's going to allow them to take a lot of their offenses play. And I think with Coastal Carolina, they have the opportunity here to beat strength with strength. I love what I've seen from Brady Bennett this year. Vasco is now the second leading rusher for this team as their quarterback in his limited snaps. So I think he's going to be a huge key in this game, despite him growing in confidence as a passer. I still think he's going to be able to be super effective against this Army team. And you have your stables of back. You have your stable of backs. You have Beasley, you have Balthazar, you have Reese White. This team's loaded. I think they're going to be able to run the ball effectively in this one. And I think these offensive linemen after the game are definitely going to have the ice up on both sides of the ball because it's going to be a lot of ground and pound and a lot of strength on strength, I think, in the trenches. Coastal Carolina, four-point favorite on the road over-under at 43-and-a-half. I'll lead off here. Coastal Carolina, I've got them winning this game. I think they're going to win uh, perhaps by a couple of touchdowns in this performance. The Shawnee Clear is one of the hottest teams, I think, in the Sun Belt and perhaps in the country right now. They've shown the ability to win in multiple different ways. We still don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I think Vasco's probably uh, the key there. But, Caden, I agree with you. I like Coastal's run game in this one. I think both teams are going to put up enough points, though, to hit the over on the 43-and-a-half. Yeah, I agree with you, Noah. Just too many weapons for Coastal and too strong defensive play lately. I think their defense is going to do a great job of limiting this Army attack that's been stifled quite a bit, kind of a little bit more than we're expected to as far as being able to catch some teams off guard with their scheme and be effective. I think Army just hasn't quite had their fastball yet as far as being able to generate big plays and explosive plays as an option offense, but it's the complete opposite story for this Coastal Carolina team. You mentioned no matter who's at quarterback, they have the stable of running backs. They have Sam Pinckney. They have Jared Brown. They have guys everywhere who can make plays for them, and I think a lot of those guys are going to make plays in this one. So give me Coastal Carolina covering in this one. Give me them winning, and I'll take the over on the points. I think they're going to be able to do their job as far as taking care of putting up points in this matchup, and I think that we're going to see a lot of big performances from a lot of different skill players in this matchup. Caden, still a couple more games to go on the weekend. Three Sunbelt teams are playing SEC opponents. We decided to just go rapid fire with these matchups. We'll start with ULM versus number nine, Old Miss. This game at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on the SEC Network. Old Miss coming in 37 and a half point favorite. ULM, Caden, coming off of a bad loss versus Troy. Similar story for Old Miss, but against number one, Georgia. They lost by 35. The Warhawks win this game if. The Warhawks win this game if ULM plays the best game of their entire season. I think when you look at ULM this season, we've applauded them for their fight, their hunger, their battle, their ability to keep games close. But when it comes to this Ole Miss team who's ranked number nine in the nation and is a little bit angry probably after getting their butts handed to them by the number one Georgia team, the defending national champs, I think it's going to just take an amazing effort and, and a historic performance out of ULM in this one. So they're going to need every one of their players, Tyrone Howell, Jaya Wright, whoever touches the ball in this game is going to have to do their best to score. And on the defensive side of the ball, they'll have to slow down this high-powered attack led by the lane train. So ULM's going to have to play out of their body, I think, in this one to win. Yeah, Caden, for me, the Warhawks win if Lane Kiffin takes the Texas A&M job before kickoff of this game. <laughs> we move on. Southern Miss at Mississippi State, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on SEC Network Plus. Uh, Mississippi State coming in a 14-point favorite. 
Southern Miss enters off one of the grittiest wins in the Sun Belt this year. Meanwhile, Mississippi State in some turmoil. They just fired their head coach this week. The Golden Eagles win if. The Golden Eagles, Eagles win if they throw the first punch, Noah. I think this is a team that just fired their head coach. There's a little bit of uncertainty when it comes to Mississippi State in this one. And Southern Miss is trending in a better direction than Mississippi State right now. So I think if they can put together some of the offensive performances we've seen recently, we see another 200-yard game out of Frank Gore Jr., that would be huge for this one. But I do think they're in a little bit better of a spot in this game than we anticipated just looking at the losing streak they were on this season. So if Southern Miss throws the first punch and we get a heavy dose of Frank Gore Jr., look out for the Golden Eagles, I think, in this matchup. I would agree with you, Kate, and I think Frank Gore needs to have a Rice-like performance, and maybe we see Auntie show up at the end of this football game. Georgia State at number 19, LSU, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on ESPN2. The Tigers, 31-point favorites. Georgia State hasn't been competitive in their last two games. They're facing Heisman candidate Jaden Daniels from LSU, Kate, and the Panthers win if. The Panthers win if Jaden Daniels misses his alarm clock is sick. If something gets in the way of him playing in this game, Jaden Daniels is rightfully in this Heisman conversation for really having one of the best dual threat quarterback seasons we've seen all year. We know Darren Granger in his own right is a great dual threat quarterback, but I think for this team at Georgia State, they've been on a consistent losing streak now where they haven't been able to show up for a little bit at a time, whether it's a half, a quarter, an entire game, even against App State. So they're going to have to play their best ball. Hope Jaden Daniels plays his worst ball, and I think they're going to have to tap into some of that magic we've seen in the past when they played SEC opponents like Tennessee and Auburn where they played some good football. So hopefully they can stop and slow down Jaden Daniels a little bit, but if they don't do that, which no one really has been able to do this year, could be bad news for Georgia State. Okay, and I think the Panthers win if Brian Kelly breaks out that awful Louisiana accent again before kickoff. The football gods certainly would not shine uh, well on LSU if he does that. Well, that's going to do it for our Week 12 preview. Kate and I can't wait to take in all the action in this second-to-last weekend of the Sun Belt regular season. Before you go, here's a quick reminder that we'll be back on Monday. We'll be dropping our Week 12 recap. We'll recap all the weekend's biggest games. We'll get you ready for the final weekend of Sunbelt play. Partner, before we sign off today, it was episode 150 of the show. It represents yet another milestone for the Prairie and Smith podcast. Just wanted to say thanks for coming along on the journey. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you, partner. I cannot believe we're at 150 with this episode and with this show started off as and to see where it is now with our, our listeners giving us support on social media, listening to us on a weekly basis. Couldn't have imagined it going this well and this swimmingly, talking about the best college, uh, the best conference in college football. So thanks to you, partner. Hey, big week ahead as we get set for the final week of the Sunbelt regular season. That's going to do it for us here at the Prairie and Smith podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please go leave us a five-star review on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, wherever you're listening to this show. Give us five stars. Let us know what we could be doing better or what you're enjoying about the show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Prairie. We really appreciate you spending more time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>